Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are. Good to see you all. What's up, Ziv? How you doing? Hey, what's up? Jim Ashley. Hey, Sherry. Good to see you. What's up, Gabriel? Boaz? Rod? A lot of familiar faces. Some new ones. Awesome. Glad to see that. Hey, Laura Vitor. How are you? Mariano, good to see you, man. Uh, let's see, we got Elizabeth Amaro, good to see you. Karthik, Doreen, good to see you. Make sure John. I adjust the background to meet your standards here. Yeah, it, you, you got to try to keep up today because uh, I got my uh, Zoom background game on and I'm going to try to get better and better every week now from now on. So, all right, cool. We got John Hamilton. Who else we got? Did I say hello to Doreen Akiri yet? Hi. See, all right, good crowd. Hope everybody's doing okay. It's been a fun week, busy week for us. I know that. Um, hey, Lauren Mecca, good to see you. Uh, who else we got? Hey, Jordan, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. Nice to see you guys. Good. Azra, hi. Robin, good to see you. Deepshika, good to see you. Cindy Hoops, good to see you. All right, we'll give you just about 30 more seconds here and then we're going to get going. Um, Cool. Uh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and jump into a couple of announcements real quickly. Um, so <clears throat> first of all, one thing I wanted to touch on is we, we've talked a, a lot about diversity and inclusion in the, in the Gangrel Retained community and in uh, office hours. And so Lauren Mecca, as many of you know, has picked up the mantle and sort of leading those efforts for us. Uh, so we're going to be doing a couple of things real quickly in short order here. One is getting a survey out to everyone to help understand. You don't have to fill this in, of course. It's not a requirement. We're trying to understand a baseline of where we are in terms of diversity and inclusion. And we're going to be uh, trying to improve those numbers over time and have a more diverse crowd, a more globally um, diverse crowd. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And then we're also going to be trying, uh, we're going to be providing a training um, opportunity coming up very soon. And Higher Logic is partnering with uh, Gangrel Retain to, to do that. So keep, stay tuned for those two things. Uh, very important initiative for this group, and we're really excited about it. Not just increase the, the diversity of our group here, but also to be a champion for diversity in customer success, and then more broadly in the technology and SaaS space, okay? Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, actually, I probably should have started with this. Welcome to CS Office Hours, CS Leadership Office Hours. This is a weekly call that we do with uh, CS leaders literally from all over the world, all walks of life, large, small companies, um, and companies that serve both enterprise and small customers. So uh, if that's what you're here for, you're in the right place and we're glad you're here. Um, so uh, the format that we're going to use is a little different than the format that we normally do. Today we have a really special uh, sort of topic that we want to go over and Nils is going to facilitate our group today. Nils Vigna, many of you know, but before we jump into that, I wanted to mention two more things. So number one, CSM office hours. We're doing that every week. This is a leadership call that we do every week. Okay, and so we also launched a CSM-focused call, which happens on Tuesdays at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. <clears throat> so if you have team members that you'd like to have a group to collaborate with, please send them to that call. Jeff will make sure that the link for that sign-up is included in the email that goes out after, uh, after our call today. Um, so that's one thing. But another thing, and something that we're really excited about, it's been a work in progress for, what, Nils, a couple of months now. Um, Nils, uh, so let me introduce him first. He's a, a customer success expert. He's been doing this longer than most of us. Um, he's a leadership coach, 
Um, he is the author of a book that comes out next Tuesday called the 30 day leadership playbook. Okay. And that's a special announcement. We're really excited about this. Nils has worked so hard on it and I hope one day he'll be able to share the story of how, how quickly he was able to do this and pull it off. Uh, but Nils is a founding member of the gang grow retain community. He's now a sponsor of the gang grow retain community. Of course, today he's going to be facilitating uh, our session on uh, failure, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. Um, <clears throat> On September 23rd, we have a really special opportunity. So Nils is gonna be facilitating a leadership workshop exclusively for this community, for the Gang Retain community. And he's gonna cover concepts and frameworks from this book um, and give you tools that you can go away and use probably the same day. So if you know anything about Nils, a lot of what he talks about and what he does is very actionable and you can expect that. So that's a free session that's available to everybody uh, in the community. <clears throat> And we'll be sending around more information on that so you know how to sign up for that, that session. So super excited about it. If you go buy the book through the website, you get, there's you know $200 in free bonuses that you can get as part of that. So um, go check it out. Super excited. Congratulations, Nils. Writing a book is no small feat. And we're all super proud of you and excited. And just I'm just glad to know you and, and to be part of this community with you. So um, we're just excited Thank about you. that. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> And awesome. So, will that be a signed copy? Hey, there will be absolutely launch bonuses and signed copies are one of those things. So be sure to get on the list, hit up 30daylearership.com. It's not available for purchase just yet, but next Tuesday, September 1st, it will be available. So get on the list and I will sign a copy for you, Andreas, and everybody else who comes to the door in the very beginning. Outstanding. Congrats. Um, Thank you. And since I'm hogging the uh, microphone, I just want to mention that now on September 22nd, so one day before the workshop, is our next cybersecurity uh, forum. We had already one with great participation, so um, just alert everyone, go to the event pa events page on the community to uh, sign up and put it on your calendars. Thank you, Andreas. And that, that's a really good point. So we're starting to form sub-communities under Gang Grow Retain for specialty topics. And that's one that I'm really excited about uh, to, to see emerge. And so if there are other topics that folks are starting to rally around, let us know. We'll make an announcement in this meeting and we'll also put it on gangrowretain.com. Um, so thank you for that, Andreas. Um, sure. So today's topic is on failure. We want to hear not, we always talk about what's gone well, right? And we always like to, you know, sort of uh, focus on that, which is actually a good thing. But today we can, we can learn a lot from what we've not done well as well. And I think we all have those kind of stories. So Nils is going to facilitate a discussion on that. And Nils, I'm going to hand it over to you, man, and you take over. And we're all going to stay in the same room today. So no uh, crazy confusing uh, getting into the right room today in the, in the breakout yeah. session. So. <laughs> we, we made Jeff's life a lot easier today. I know that for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Dave, for that wonderful intro and announcement about the book. I'm, I'm just absolutely thrilled to bring this to market, to get into the hands of all the leaders on this call and all the leaders across the world. This is a, an in, incredibly important time for me and something that I committed to as a result of going through the pandemic and taking a hard look at, you know, what do I contribute most to my clients in the world and how can I do that at an even bigger level? So that was a big part of the, what was behind this. So today is all about failure. I mean, how many times do you get to open up a call and with that as the opening line? It's pretty amazing. Um, so when I talked with Jeff and Jay about this a few weeks ago, you know, the sentiment was we have so many incredible leaders that have done so many incredible things. And from the outside, it can feel like everybody else has all their stuff together. 
right? When you hear stories from whether it's myself or Christy or David or anybody other leaders on this call, it sounds incredibly polished. Like, you know, it's just, it's just there. And oftentimes I even wonder, like, am I the only one who is struggling with some of these things? And, and was I in the past when I was in the leadership seat? So we want to bring that to the service today and really keep it real with, let's talk about the other side, the side we don't normally engage with, the side we don't often get a chance to, to share. And when circulating this with a few people beforehand, everybody was super excited and had incredible stories to share. So there's so much rich information to learn from, and that's our goal today. So the framework we're gonna use is this three-step one right here. We're gonna have this up in the beginning part and then we'll take it down so it'll be a little easier to see the full uh, Zoom spectrum as well. But number one, what was the failure? Number two, what was the root cause? And three, what was the learning or takeaway? So failure, in a sense, you can look at it any number of different ways, but if you look at it from the learning and takeaway perspective, hey, then you're gonna be in a lot better shape the next time this rolls around. So I'm gonna start out with my own personal story um, and then I'm gonna call in a couple people and if you are willing, and able to be a little vulnerable and to share a story about failure along this, this framework, I want you to raise your hand now in the guy going to the participants tab at the bottom of your Zoom bar and click the raise hand icon. It'll take a few minutes and I'll get to you guys in a little bit because um, I have some people set up knowing that this might not be the thing that's on the tip of everybody's tongue. So I want to prep you. We have a couple of people ready to go and then we'll go into the broader audience. And really the goal here is just to be open. That's it, just to be honest. And just to see things from a different perspective, you're gonna hear very personal engagements, very personal reactions to things, and to know that you're not alone, right? That's the, one of the single most important things of this Gang Grow Retain community is that you are not alone. And other people struggle with these things just like you. So let me start with my story. First off, um, I was a VP, a newly minted VP of customer success. This was many years ago. I was extremely excited. I joined a company where they wore their net promoter score like a badge of honor. Like they absolutely hung, everything they did was tied to that score. So it's a long time ago when net promoter score was a little newer. Um, and my entire variable comp as a VP was tied just to that score. So there was a lot of importance placed upon this. So I joined the company. Um, the results from the previous quarter's uh, survey came in right after I joined, and it was a little downtick from where it had been before. The company was always, you know, very proud. It had been high. And the next quarter came, and the results came in, and it had been cut in half. And this sounded alarm bells all over the place. So we had an executive team meeting. We decided that this was of the utmost importance to fix. And guess who got to take the reins, like, three months into my role as a VP? Like, this is your problem. Go fix it. Right? Surprise. So a lot of pressure coming on right at that point. Um, my co-founder, one of the co-founders and I set up some interviews with customers. We talked to 10 different customers for, 10, for an hour each. So we had 10 hours worth of interview data, customers, um, information, all the things that led to what happened with the, the situation. How did we get a lower net promoter score? We get to the end of that. The co-founder rolled off the project. And essentially, I was left to try to figure out how to analyze all this data and come up with a set of recommendations for what we were going to change, right? If you've ever been there, right? That is an insurmountable task for me. And I literally uh, started to feel an incredible bout of imposter syndrome. Anybody else ever felt that, right? I couldn't do an analysis. I literally could not figure out how to take this mountain of data, <laughs> what seemed like insurmountable amount of information to bring together and make some sense out of it. I just couldn't. I had a blast talking to the customers. I could do that all day long. But when it came to analyzing the data, I literally was failing. And I started to beat myself up. 
for three or four weeks, I literally beat myself up saying, do I really have the right to be in the VP seat if I can't do this kind of analysis? And all of the psychological head games were, were going on in my head. And it was a really, really difficult period um, at that point in my life and that, in my career. So the CEO would continuously ask me, hey, what's the update? Where are we at? What, you know, what are the, when are we going to get the results? What are we going to do? And I would placate and, and kind of dodge the bullet a little bit and say, well, we had this renewal issue here. I had a customer escalation here. I basically skirted the issue very, very plainly. And after a few weeks, um, it, it, the pressure was almost too much to even bear. And I literally had no idea what to do. So the learning and, and the root cause was that I don't have strengths in the area of analysis and no consulting project I've ever done has involved me doing a churn analysis for that very reason. My, uh, one of my CSMs handed me the book, the Strengths Finder book at that point in time. And I took the assessment, I got the insight, and I understood what I was most talented to do, which was focus on the growth and development of other people. And the, one of the least areas that I have actually strengths and natural talents is in analysis. And immediately I felt a sense of relief because I realized that the reason I couldn't do this wasn't just because I wasn't cut out to be a VP, was that it was work that was not aligned with me and my strengths. I am far better at many other things. So I partnered with this CSM because just so happened that her most dominant strengths were in this exact area and doing analysis on this level of data was the most fun type of project that she could ever work on. She was thrilled to dig into the data and I was absolutely blown away. So she got to flex her strengths by focusing on the analysis and doing the work. And I got to flex mine by supporting her growth in, you know, creating, taking the analysis and taking it up to a presentation and then presenting it to the executive team. And we turned the NPS around in six months as a result of that approach. So, you know, my key biggest learning and takeaway was to focus on what you are most talented to do and acknowledge the places that you are not as talented and don't beat yourself up <laughs> as I did during that point in time. So that was my piece, really hard point in my life, but a very, very important learning and uh, really thankful to be able to share that with you. I talk, uh, I do share that story in a little bit more detail in the book too um, as well, but wanted to share it here today. So number two for us on our list is Christy, would you please come off a of mute and share your story? Yeah, so this was actually, well, first, thank you. And congratulations, Niels. This is amazing. I'm excited for your book. Um, can't wait thank to read you. it. Um, excited that it's on my birthday, too. So, yay. Um, <laughs> um, but more importantly, so I, I love this topic, and I probably had a laundry list of, of failure moments that I wanted to highlight and share with you guys. Maybe I'll add some of those to LinkedIn. Um, but the one I selected for today was near and dear because it's probably the biggest fail uh, of my leadership career. So, for those of you who aren't really familiar with my background, this is my fourth time at a SaaS company in a leadership role, VP. Um, and you know, my first stint, I'd done five and a half years at a company and had grown the ranks. So I had gone from an individual contributor to a leader. Um, and I learned a ton along the way, right? So, and I had the opportunity to move into director and senior director, run global teams, and so really grew into the role. Um, you know, after five and a half years, like many people, you're gonna explore other options and opportunities. And so I did and decided to take a role with another company. And the biggest, thing that I felt like I needed to do was come in there like a bull and make immediate impact, right? So I felt that, you know, my success was going to be completely aligned to like my ability to come in day one, drive change and make, make a splash. And so that's what I tried to do. Um, and really the way that I went about it was not only was that the wrong approach, but I thought that everything I had known about my previous company would a hundred percent apply to the new company I was in, right? That it is a apples to apples, like, just, yeah, it worked there. Why wouldn't it work here? Um, and so I took literally every single strategy, every playbook, every approach to data, every single thing I did, and I tried to fit that into this new role. 
And let me just start by telling you, I went from a SaaS company to a PaaS company, right? So software as a service versus platform as a service. So inherently very different businesses, <laughs> um, but tried to make it work. And I went from a marketing space to a BI space. My personas were different. My customers were different. The company was different. Everything that we did was different, but I was insistent that everything I had known that was successful should just work. So um, after trying to fit this square peg into my very, very round hole um, and not getting it to work and not getting to drive any of the impact, I had to stop, right? Like my leaders were kind of trying to figure out why I was taking the approaches I was, right? And driving it so aggressively because I'm a bit of a bull um, and why I was trying to move so fast instead of really taking the time to invest in learning and aligning and really educating myself. So I would say probably 30 days into the role where I was bullishly trying to make this all work, I had to stop and reflect, right? Like, why wasn't I getting a cross-functional alignment? Why weren't my leaders seeing things the way I was? Why weren't my customers responding to these, like, changes we were trying to put in place? And so it was a very reflective moment for me to realize that it's not a one-size-fits-all model. And so we all talk about and celebrate best practices. And I do believe that there are best practices that can be applicable. But the reality of it is, every single one of our companies is inherently different. Our customers are very different. Our products are very different. And we as leaders are very different. And the leaders we work with are very different. So you really have to be invested into learning and understanding before you're driving that change. And so, you know, the impact obviously was that I was not successful. I didn't enter the company um, the way that I wanted. I probably didn't uh, lead with the, I guess, vision that I wanted to. And so took a moment, paused, reflected. I did pivot. I did adjust and make changes that ultimately were successful and got us back on track. And my team ended up being very successful, but you know, that was a hard learning moment for me because I am, I'm a words of affirmation person. I am somebody who likes to be the best all the time. And so when I'm not, it's, it breaks me. Um, and if I'm not getting those head pats from other people around me, it's crippling. So I know that about myself. So pivoting, making the adjustments I needed to did really result in better alignment, better results for my customers, better results for the business. And I will tell you every company that I've gone to since, so the two following, I've taken a very, very different approach. My first 30 days, I don't say a word. It's all about learning and listening and partnering, interviewing my peers, the leaders, my customers, and really trying to understand what it is that the company and the business and my customers need before I can go and drive any change. And while I will say the best practices, a lot of them have come along for the journey, um, they all look very different, right? So it's like a different flavor of Lifesaver every time. Um, and they're all Lifesavers, but they taste very different. Um, and so that was my big fail, my big learning, um, very personal, humbling moment for me. And um, like I said, it's, it's resulted on me being very successful in all the roles that I've taken on since. So very happy that I learned it. Uh, very happy I learned it early and uh, promise to never make those same mistakes again. Awesome, Christy. And we're we are very happy that you shared that with us. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, who are we going to? David Ellen, would you come off mute and share your story with us? Sure. Hey, good, every, good morning, everybody. Hey, Mills, congratulations. So excited about your book coming out. Can't wait to uh, be a part of uh, reading it and being a part on the 23rd. So looking forward to Thank that. Thank you. Thank so, you. So uh, just a little background on me. My, um, my career spans sales operations and customer success. I was in customer success way before the term customer success was born. So I'm, uh, I'm dating myself a little bit, but my failure was truly a personal failure. I can't blame it on anybody else. I can't blame it on my surroundings. It was really just stupidity and ignorance. So at the, at the time of my failure, I was leading customer success and operations for, I guess at the time we were probably a $150, $200 million company. And we just signed a new enterprise customer, a very, very large American telecommunications customer. 
And one of the things that we were doing is we were providing technology solutions, but we were also providing services. And we had contact centers across North America, uh, uh, across uh, the United States. And we had a senior VP at this company that wanted to hire us to um, provide 300 dedicated customer support agents for them. And the SV SVP was very specific in what he wanted at the time, and he really wanted a low price. He didn't want us to use any of our uh, United States facilities. He wanted something near shore or up in Canada. So I went on a march and, and I spent four months in site selection with the heavy focus in Canada. I went to Canada every three weeks uh, for four months in the dead of winter looking for space and negotiating contracts with economic development contracts with the Canadian government. I was really excited about what we had, but in the middle of all of that, the SVP left and a new SVP came in. And I'd never even slowed down to think, you know, maybe I should go meet the new contact. He's a key decision maker. He's a critical part of, of what we're trying to do. Um, I just kind of went on my way and said, you know what, when I'm done and I have something to present, I'll go present to him. So I got everything in line. I found a building. I had spent two months negotiating economic development incentives with the Canadian government. I was about to hire a manager for the facility up in Canada. And before I did, I said, you know, I better go make a presentation to the, to the client. I went to St. Louis. I met with the new SVP. I told him about everything, all the great things that we were doing and where we were. And the first thing he said to me was, you know, we're an American company and we would never let our customers be serviced outside of the United States. Have you ever been in a room where all the air was sucked out of the room in about a second? Well, that was me. And, and you know, he never thought, I guess, to reach out to me and say, hey, how are things going? I don't even think he knew we were working on this. But shame on me for knowing he was there and not taking the time to pick up the phone or get on a plane and go sit with him and say, this is what we're doing, what we were doing for your predecessor. I just want to make sure you're aligned, that the strategy is the same, that the direction is the same, that you're supporting what we're doing. Um, so the root cause was really ignorance or lack of strategic thinking on my part. Luckily, the mistake happened about 10 years into my career, so about 20 years ago. So I, I had the opportunity to really learn from it. And I can promise you, I've never missed an opportunity to reach out to a new client at the key decision maker again. And that lesson learned of, of saying, you know, make sure you get plugged in with new contacts that come in, especially if they're decision makers. Learn from them, talk about strategic changes, talk about direction changes, and um, you'll never be in a room where the air gets sucked out that fast again. So that was my lesson. Oh, man, David, thank you so much for sharing that story, Cash. It kind of puts me right in that place. And judging by the chat, uh, a number of other people have been in similar positions. And that, again, is part of this. You're not alone. Right? It's really good to air these things. Um, I'm going to go next to Benny Leonard. Would you come off the off of mute and share with us your failure story? Oh, hey, y'all. Um, where do I start? <laughs> um, well, one, one huge lesson I had was I was working for a, a medical device manufacturing company and uh, there was, I was in charge of a project uh, that the scientists came forward and said, you know, there is a possibility that the, the product that you're in charge of is going to kill people. What? <laughs> you're talking about failure? Oh, my gosh. Well, well and, and so it was like, um, what do you mean it's going to go? Well, if it's a device, you know, that, that it, if it has a battery in it, and if for some reason the battery gets to a, a, a failure mode level, it'll send out an illicit charge that might shock the, the patient's heart into failure. 
So you talk about failure, okay? And 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 the the thing was was that a lot of the groups were 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 siloed. You had engineering, operation, scientists, management, marketing, IT, quality. All these different groups were like, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. It's not my problem. And and I was thrown into the situation to like now I've got to not just have a product that could possibly kill somebody, but now I've got nobody taking ownership, and everybody's saying it's not you know point finger point everywhere else, but you know at at you. And me, um, and so it really took a lot of a lot of ingenuity and thought pattern and self reflection to figure out how to how to solve this problem. So um, I went to upper management and and I, I said, look, um, I'm I have no idea how to solve this by myself, and a lot a lot of other groups um, that that I, I think can help. Let give me a dedicated group of people that can go and be a task force to go address this issue, and they cannot be working on anything else but solving this problem um and uh, and i got them i got scientists i got operations people i got uh, engineers i got marketing i got managers. i got, literally got marketing and communication people that knew nothing about the science of this project uh and engaged in the project and and we locked them ourselves in a room for for a week and a half until we came up with a, a patented solution that would then you know correct the issue we said and the other thing was really communicating out to the to the to the world uh, the patients the community the, the, the uh, medical community that this was a challenge and that we need to get ahead of it and not hide the fact that there was an issue. So um, you talk about, you know, a challenge. We came, came out and got a, got a patent for the solution after uh, down the line, uh, but uh, created a solution that was, that was cross functional uh, that came to the conclusion that we had to solve a problem that was going to prevent uh, the loss of life, no loss of life, but it, it was very close. It was very close. Thanks to you, Benny. Thanks to you, man. Those are some stakes, right? Maybe all <laughs> we should all remember that kind of story when we're thinking about the stakes of what's at, what's at, at the heart of them for our customers. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Heather Coddale, would you come off of mute and share with us your failure story? Sure. And uh, Jeff and Jay were, got to see some of the bloody carnage of my failure um, up close. <laughs> and so just a quick background, I lead uh, the relationship management functions at a uh, fintech SaaS company where I've been fortunate to be here for 18 years. We started with 10 people. We're about 1300 right now, kind of in a pre IPO phase. So really exciting journey. I've been in every customer facing role, starting with the support team. And I think uh, my failure, God, there was so much when David said personal failure, it like hit me in the heart because it's so resonated. Um, there's like in reflection, some just basic leadership things that um, I just missed. Um, and then just, yeah, all the way around, I think the, the greatest failure was more of an idealism around if you have a passion for customers and you know your customers that you can build a successful customer success team. And uh, Nils, like you, my strength is not analytics. Uh, the greatest day of my life was when I hired my first data analyst. But uh, to give just a little bit of background, we started with a two-person success team and it was really just focused on adoption. So our customers, we accounts payable automation software focused on, we need their transactions. So realized very quickly that you can't have two folks come in post implementation and say, give me your payments because there's no trust, there's no relationship. This is a critical piece of the business. And uh, we had a joke that the company was just, you know, give me your payments was like our model. <laughs> Uh, which wasn't like a very customer friendly uh, thing. So quickly, uh, interestingly enough, sort of the root cause of some of the failures was the personal piece of a lot of transition happening at the same time, a leader that had been with me a long time that had started this two person team got yanked 
when my leader changed, my old leader took this person with him. I had uh, a new person come in who, through my own failure and lack of coaching, uh, was an empire builder. And I didn't realize it soon enough. And he reported to me. So again, personal failure and leadership, I let it happen uh, because I was distracted. I'd had the same boss for eight years, got me, everybody I worked with understood me. Uh, so got a new boss uh, at the same time that I had a new person reporting to me who um, inadvertently just executed on a hiring plan, right? No metrics, no goals. I'm thinking we're passionate about customer success. It's one of our core values. And, and this new younger gentleman, so to be fair to him, right? Looking for my guidance and coaching, I'm distracted and reeling. My strength is in relationships. So my boss of eight years is gone. I'm feeling like I have to prove myself to my new boss and like just lost sight of this team of customer success folks building and building and building with no accountability, no metrics, no, like just like when they're escalated, call them and make them feel good, which, um, right, it's tough enough to get your uh, other executives bought into customer success as it is. So through the course of this uh, time frame, uh, built about a 30 person customer success team supporting 1500 customers. So a little crazy. My new boss bought me some buffer time because he had been a customer leader his whole career, was very passionate, very supportive of me. Um, in the interim, I put a new senior sales leader who was also passionate about customers over success. And he was great at escalation management, but not great at data and metrics. So built this team. In the interim, our COO, who was my boss at the time and very supportive of me, left and I lost my buffer. So now I have uh, our CFO. I am now reporting to the chief growth officer who's saying, where's the ROI for this 30 person team, right? What's happening? Um, we're not really seeing what's the return on the investment. Um, and through the course, knowing in my gut, I didn't have the right leader in place. So back to personal failure, basic leadership lessons, uh, let the lack of what I knew in my gut was that I didn't have the right leader leading the customer success team. Uh, it was very important to me that we differentiate ourselves from sales. And I know there's lots of models, but my relationship side was your account managers are selling. My people are growing and retaining customers. So I wanted it differentiated, but they didn't own a number. So that was a sore spot for my growth officer. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, I took two years, probably too long in changing out the leadership uh, the good news is I do have a new leader in place, someone that had been with me a long time that had grown up in the onboarding space, knew our customers, knew more of the technical software side. She's doing an amazing job. Um, I definitely got a lot of heat because she's a bit, a little bit uh, earlier in her career, but I trusted in her judgment. But the worst, most painful part for me is that I had to downsize the team. So teammates were impacted this year and it was already in plan when COVID hit. Um, and so, you know, my team of 260 people, which includes support and onboarding, are all very close. So eliminating eight people from a department, trying to find different roles for them in the company, which we actually were successful for some. Um, it was a big blow to my team. I had to deliver the message remotely, which also sucked. Um, and it was the first time I had to do something like that. And knowing it was all because of my own personal failure uh, was really challenging. But again, good news, have the right leader in place, right size the team, 
absolutely have the right metrics in place. We are working with our data science team and building a health score. So we're on the right track now, but super painful. And there were some casualties, but um, some, you know, lessons I will learn and never repeat at this point in my career. <laughs> awesome, Heather. Thank you so much for, for sharing with us. Uh, my goodness, that is roller coaster of a ride over all that all that time so thank you uh gabriel would you come off mute and share with us your failure story yeah i'll keep it short and sweet um so i moved from being an individual contributor at a SaaS company a year and a half ago uh, and then got the opportunity to build the cs organization for the company i'm with now uh, I, you know, I came from 40 client portfolio to about 1300 client portfolio. And my failure was twofold and Christy's story 100% resonated with me. Um, but the first thing was that I was trying to be too reactive and felt like I couldn't be proactive, like I couldn't take a step back and just plan out what this should look like. Because I was the first hire for the CS team, my boss didn't have a roadmap for what my onboarding process should look like, what I wanted to create. There was just like three tasks. This is what you have to get done. Um, and for the first two months, I was, it was reactive mode. You know, Instead of taking a break and seeing what do I want to create, what do we need to create, what have I learned in these first 30 days, 60 days. Um, and so that that was a key failure, which actually led me to the CS leadership office hours because I started to engage in LinkedIn more um, and came across Jay or Jeff's post of, of this meeting. And I've learned so much. But um, what I learned in that failure, what I, or what I failed in mostly was that I felt like I can do this. You know, I can create this. I'm a high achiever. I have an excellent background in what I'm doing. I know what I'm capable of. And it was just that overconfidence in that, you know, we, I can handle this. I don't need a bigger team right now or whatever it may have been. I kept putting up excuses for not seeking additional resources, um, not just taking a step back, connecting with other teammates and, and hearing what the pain points were and, and not reacting with advice right away. So the second part of that failure story is that I was I met with all the different teams in the onboarding. I, I scheduled meetings. And as soon as I heard something that I saw as a red flag, I thought of what my previous company did where, where my previous employer, and they were known for being incredibly successful in customer success. All of our clients would literally tell us, um, some of which are represented here, is like, this is the best onboarding experience we've had. This is the best CS experience we've had. And that's the mentality they came with. And so I tried to implement success stories that I've learned there into this new company, which was completely different sectors. One facilities management, the other one in the healthcare public uh, industry. Um, and so my big two takeaways there were just one that although you want to make an impact in those first 30 or 60 days, you got to make sure you actually understand the industry you're in. And if you're new to the industry, you shouldn't be really talking a whole lot those first 30 or 60 days, listening to people. And when we started doing that and I started connecting here and seeing that I don't have to create everything from scratch, there are templates for health scores. There are templates for engagement, for QBRs. There are templates for essentially everything there. And there are people like the people on this call, they're willing to connect, engage, share their experience, and that you don't have to go it on your own. And that that is a sign of strength when you reach out to other people. And really the turnaround in the past six months versus the first four months has been, uh, huge growth rate and our team is doing a lot better. So yeah, my failure was that I was going on my own. I was going too fast, not slowing down. Mm -hmm. And I was not, um, I was talking too much instead of listening. Yeah. 
Gabriel, just amazing. And, and everybody here, you, you see some common themes in a lot of these areas. And, and that's one of the most interesting aspects of what I've heard so far, right? Around the thinking that you have, have to have the solution all the time, or you have to be the one to drive everything immediately, or you have to put everything in place, or you got to be the one just to do it when there's, you know, it's all much more about leverage and utilizing the skills and the benefits that other people bring to the table in this community as well as inside your company. So we'd love to go to Andreas. Andreas, let's uh, go on to come off mute, share with us your failure story. Uh, sure. How many days do I have to talk about all of them? Um, you got but <laughs> one, one actually, um, so I had recently moved from Germany to the United States and got the opportunity to build a uh, brand new team uh, handling customer escalations uh, for a large company. And I'm like, yeah, I finally done it. Transition from individual contributor into a leadership role. I'm a manager now. <laughs> you got to do what I tell you to. Um, major catastrophe, major catastrophe. So number one, um, Americans are different from German, right? There is not this authoritative relationship that is uh, explicit. You need to work on gaining the trust of your, your team. The other challenge was that it was good technically, um, but had absolutely no management clue. And it was a big disaster the first six months. There was a lot of grumbling until um, my manager took me aside because he heard so much uh, of the bad stuff here and gave me some good leadership feedback and uh, coaching. So I was able to not get fired um, from this role for failing to basically motivate my team. And uh, by uh, listening and observing what the existing uh, team culture is, what the infrastructure is, considering cultural differences. Um, if you're interested, there's a blog post in my profile about managing in different uh, cultures. I've now in um, more recent leadership roles been proudly named best manager ever worked for, but it was a very hard first lesson as I transitioned from individual contributor into a management role. Awesome, uh, Andreas, you know, that, that, that transition is the single hardest thing most people will ever do in their professional career, right? Because it yep. involves a massive shift from focusing on yourself and being in complete control to getting work done through other people and not having control. Frankly, it's a completely different mindset that has to be taken. And if not taken with care and trust and getting expertise and help from the outside can be really, really difficult as you shared. Um, next up, thank you for sharing that, Andreas. Next up, Brian Hartley, would you come off of mute and share with us your failure story? Yeah, sure. So mine is uh, back further early on in my career when I was an individual contributor. I worked at a market research company and we collected customer experience data for restaurant and retail organizations. And one of the accounts that I worked on early on was, was Starbucks. So obviously a really important client for us. And we put a lot of emphasis on collecting the data and then presenting the data. Normally on a quarterly basis, we would go on site, present the data. It was a really big deal. So we put a lot of effort around internal reviews of the presentation, taking the data. What, what kind of story are we telling? And this was my first internal preview. Uh, and I put a lot of effort into logistic regressions, you know, all these types of analysis that I felt like was really meaningful and impactful. And we were in the internal review and, and both my director 
and her boss, the VP, just just ripped the deck to shreds. And I had put in like a lot of time, you know, wanted to make it perfect, wanted to deliver it succinctly and, and walk out of the room with everyone feeling like, oh, that was incredible. <laughs> Completely missed the mark. Uh, I couldn't articulate what were the three main takeaways of the deck. Uh, and that was only the beginning. So uh, long story short, I got really, I was really frustrated. Um, and I actually ended up taking a half day at PTO because I was like, I just, I, I need to leave this environment. I'm really frustrated. I busted my tail to create what I thought was an incredible PowerPoint, uh, only to be humbled very quickly within minutes. So that was the failure. The failure was I completely missed the mark. But what I learned from that time and what I continue to carry through my career today is, especially presenting data, we've heard uh, some of you share stories about analysis and data, is really trying to learn from that experience, not only for myself, but to teach others. So when we do go on site and present data, or we're sharing data, or we're telling a story with PowerPoint to talk about those areas that tripped me up initially and share that with other individuals that I've either coached or worked closely with. Uh, so very humbling experience. Um, and it has taught me a lot over, you know, over the past 10, 15 years. Awesome, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for, for sharing that, man. Can't imagine quite what it was like in that experience, although I know a number of people have been in similar spots. Um, thank you for sharing. Alex Farmer, are you still on the line? Would you come off mute? I know you had your hand raised, but I think it dropped. So if you're not here, we'll move on. But I want to give you an opportunity. I'm here, man. If, I'm here. My, my cool. hand was tired, Nils. I'm sorry. And congratulations. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, no worries. Oh, thank oh, you. Well, I, 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 after hearing so many of these um, uh, stories, it's quite similar. So I put my hand down, but I'll be, I'll be brief about it. I, I um, I'm in day nine for those following the chat. It seems like there's a few of us in day nine in a new role. I, I don't live in a wind farm, but that's what my new company works with software for heavy industry. So that's the reason for the background. It's a bit breezy out here, blowing a lot of hot air out at everybody. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about join. I mean, so this is the third company I joined. So a bit similar to Christy, um, you know, kind of coming in and uh, joining a new business. And I'm, I am trying to, I mean, I'm going to turn the question around a little bit. What I'm uh, uh, the lesson I've learned is to try my dang hardest to listen as much as possible early on and, and, and really not um, jump in. Um, and I'll pivot now. I think that the, the biggest challenge I had is, is it's a bit of a kind of a, a smaller example than the, the example Christy gave, but I joined the second company I joined. I mean, I built my career for four and a half years at a scale up, kind of grew my career there. And then, you know, essentially that was like my first job for five years. And I you know, was bad at joining new companies, right? I was out of practice. I'd never done that really before. Um, so 18 months ago, I joined a company where it was pretty immature. It was a startup. Um, they hadn't had customer success before. So it was kind of coming in, taking the account management function and uh, bringing things, you know, bringing support, onboarding um, and training underneath that umbrella, the overall kind of CS umbrella. And, you know, pretty quickly became clear that like sales was running the show and selling things they shouldn't necessarily be selling and just dumping it on the customer success or the current account manager's laps. Um, and you know, my natural approach there, as soon as I kind of got a sniff of that was to do the classic like CS versus sales, we'll take it, you need to do a better job. And essentially like started very quickly, you know, not being, you know, we weren't fighting in the office, right? But it was essentially, we need to do better and this is the team that's causing all of our problems. And while that may have been, you know, somewhat true, I, you know, the, the approach I had taken, you know, I had a, everyone had a neutral opinion of me and I, you know, I'm a bit of a bull to use Christie's term as well. And, and I think that immediately um, turned so many folks, uh, a minority of the company, but still, you know, important kind of political power brokers, so to speak. And all of the changes that I know we would have to make became twice as hard to make because you had salespeople who are skeptical at every turn. Um, so this kind of, you know, I also kind of need the affirmation and with that can come a bit of overzealousness. And in that overzealousness, I turned off folks that I ultimately needed to bring, you know, bring with me. And I think that classic, like, um, 
show them, not tell them thing could have really served me much better. Cause you know, I can, I can tell you you're doing something bad and causing problems to our business and that's not going to end it very well. So for me to show you that actually, you know, why don't we try this framework together and like measure the impact in an unbiased way and guide them and lead them would have been much better. So third time's the charm nine days in, I am trying to practice that as best I can. And I was just last thing for me reflecting in the chat with folks, you know, it's another startup that I've joined. Um, and you know, we have a CEO and leadership team that is all kind of go, go, go. So there's that added wrinkle of like, yes, I will like, trust me, like I will make an impact, but, but I need to be really methodical and kind of lean into that, um, pressure to, to do stuff by saying, no, I'm going to plan and then do the right stuff. And it's going to be much more efficient. So, um, you know, maybe the fourth time it'll be even better, but hopefully that doesn't happen for a long time. <laughs> Alex, thank you so much for, for sharing and the, the sentiment of being the bull and feeling like you have to make the change and drive this stuff echoed many times throughout the chat. And it's awesome to see that a lot of other people feel like they've been in that and probably some positive has come out of that and some negative. All right. Thank you. Um, so bringing it home, uh, I want to I want to pick on the, the our, our fearless leaders in the Gain, Grow, Retain community, Jay and Jeff, because none of us would frankly be here if it weren't for these two. Um, so, Jeff, would you come off mute? I know you shared a little bit of the story in the, in the chat, but I want to hear it live. Um, share with us your failure story. Yeah, definitely. I'll, uh, I'll try and be quick and short like everybody. Everybody knows, everybody who knows me knows I like to talk, so we're gonna try and make it short. But um, early on in my career, I was a customer success analyst. So I was analyzing data, Nils. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I was hopefully better at it than you were um, from what I, what I remember. Uh, but I, I had the chance, just like I think everybody much on this call, like to, to start moving up. So I had moved to a, to, from a customer success analyst into a customer success manager. And it was my first opportunity to actually handle a renewal myself. Um, it was actually a technology-enabled services business, so it wasn't necessarily SaaS, but we still had yearly contracts. I had to go execute uh, the renewal and we were bringing the client in. We had this, we had our CEO in the meeting. I had my director in the meeting as well. And uh, I felt like it was my opportunity to really show why they had put me in the position, why they had elevated me. So I took the entire presentation. I asked for no input when they wanted input. I said, nope, I know that I know this client. I've been working with them as an analyst for years. Like I know what we need to do. So I was kind of the bull in the China shop as well, even to our CEO, which is also just mind boggling when you actually say it out loud. Um, so, you know, I led this whole presentation. I get in there you know, our CEO and our director, not on the same page as to what I'm presenting. They're trying to chime in on my presentation that I'm delivering and it's going horribly. They're chiming in at the wrong times. I'm, you know, trying to talk about numbers when they were trying to talk about strategy and like this whole just horrible of a meeting for about an hour. We end the meeting about five minutes early because it was just like, we ran through everything so fast. And then, you know, you could see the client just wants to get out the door because this was just not really what was expected. And so for me, really huge learning lesson because we did not get the renewal. We lost the client. They went to a different, uh, different vendor wasn't catastrophic to our business, but they were certainly on the rise too. It was actually a growing account. We were actually putting more resources into it. So uh, unfortunate moment, but you know, certainly for me, what that really brought to bear was that, you know, I think to a lot of points on the call, you don't always have to get everything done yourself. There are other opportunities and perspectives. And actually, if you can bring those perspectives in earlier, it's actually going to round out the experience. You know, I think one of the things that um, Jay and I, I think did really well in, in customer imperative is that we, um, we actually worked really well in meetings like that. We could actually understand who's going to chime in when, we would actually broker, you know, who's, who's the right person to talk about this topic, what types of questions are we going to introduce, and you could tell the flow of the meeting so different. So I think that's one of the learnings of my career that I think uh, I've carried throughout and really starting to, again, at Higher Logic now in our business, really starting to think about how do we, how do we set our CSMs up in a successful position to, to go have those meetings and who, what are the right resources to bear? I think one of the things that we always talk about um, often, and the last point too, is that as a CSM uh, or even you know, leading the customer success team, sometimes you feel like the relationship and the customer success and the renewal might all come down to your team, but then you have to start realizing that there are other functions that you can bring in to kind of round out the experience. So uh, quick lesson for me, but it was certainly an impactful one. 
Yeah, man, Jeff, thank you so much for sharing the details there. All right, Jay, it's up to you. We'll be bringing us home, man. Hit us. All right. So I shared a little bit of this in the chat as well, but, um, you know, I, I went into a company once, it's about a $20 million company, uh, ARR. And part of what my task was in going into that business was to improve the, the gross margin of, of, of the business. And it was a pretty heavy services business. Um, but uh, so there, there were some people who had been at this company for a long time and some of them who we were really worried about losing. Uh, and we, we, I, I needed somebody to help lead this effort from within this company uh, that had the history and some of the background. And so I chose to put somebody in one of those roles who didn't really have the management experience, but was somebody we were worried about losing and uh, to sort of help us drive that overall improvement. So the net of it was we made some progress. I had a vision for how it could be done and I could talk at the high level about how to get it done. I could even inspire the team that it had to be done, right? And maybe get people aligned on the first steps of getting it done. But months started to tick by and we were not making enough progress on solving this problem from a, you know, an efficiency perspective on the, on the program. So um, fast forward about nine months and we still hadn't made progress on really improving the efficiencies and the gross margins of, of this particular delivery model. And so um, I had an open position at that point. I brought somebody in who immediately picked it up. Um, she came in at another level, but I moved her quickly into the role to oversee this whole transformation that had to take place. And within 30 days, we were already on track. So the big miss there, a couple of things. One um, uh, was just, you know, I think that the thing that, that I learned about myself, and I, I've learned this a couple of times, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but there, there are people who, who can really focus on optimization and there's people who can focus on growth and, and sort of driving quick change. I'm in the latter camp. I'm not necessarily the best operational leader that you will ever have. And I you know, if there's anybody on my team who's on this call, now you know. Um, I, I'm on your team. <laughs> Jeff, you already know. So, um, you know, but I, but I think that the moral of the story is having the right people to do the job that you need to get done is not just a nice to have, it's a requirement for achieving whatever outcome it is. It doesn't matter whether it's a CSM, doesn't matter whether it's a manager or a director or a VP level person, the difference between somebody who's going to marginally execute and then somebody who's going to, to exponentially execute is it, it's, it's 100% different, right? Between just getting the right person in the right seat. So as leaders, I think it's incumbent upon us to really clarify the job we need done, go find somebody that has experience doing that job because ultimately it reflected poorly on me as a leader. So, um, so that, that was it, you know, get the right butt in the right seat and, and, and also, you know, make that be, um, to, to your point about strengths, Nils, how to be mm -hmm. something that augments what I am good at, right. And what I'm, what I can bring to the table and be honest and clear about what I can't get done. So that, that was my, that was my big one. I've got plenty more, but we won't go into Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not for today. Thank you so much, Jay. Uh, amazing story. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed hearing the behind the scenes, right? What happens under the water of what we tend to see on our calls in, you know, on LinkedIn, in our webinars and all that stuff. And nobody has it perfect. Zero of us have it all figured out. And that's okay, right? Because it's all just an evolution. It's all just education. It's all just learning and trying and iterating on new things. Many of the topics and things you heard were similar from one person to the next, and we come from completely different worlds. So I thank you all for your honesty, for your openness, and for your sharing. And as uh, Jeff just put up the last slide, so a reminder that 
Um, my book, 30 Day Leadership Playbooks, coming out on Tuesday, September 1st. You can get on the wait list on, at 30dayleadership.com. Check out a little bit of the background of what's going on with the book. Sign up to get on the wait list when you buy the book through the site on Tuesday and beyond. I will be including $200 in free bonuses, including the audiobook version for those of you who love audiobooks. Some quick reference cards, great to take material with you, um, and even some additional training on top of what's already in the book. So an incredible bonus pack to go to help drive everybody for the launch. Um, and then September 23rd at 11 a.m. Eastern time, uh, Jeff is going to send out the registration in the page. We will have a work leadership workshop specifically for Gain, Grow, uh, Retain members only. Um, so be sure to sign up as soon as Jeff gets that out. And I look forward to seeing you then. And we ended right on time as expected. So thank you all, Jay. Anything else to, to add? No, nothing else. Thank you, Nils. I appreciate your, your leadership in this community and on this call. It was awesome. Great to see Bye. everybody. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.